0: Welcome to Ride Every Stride. This is episode 27.
1: Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm pleased to be here today with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey, Van, what's up?
0: Hey, Laura, not a whole lot going on down here other than just surviving the summer heat and looking forward to fall weather. You know, football's already started. I'm a big football fan. You know, if it wasn't for football, I couldn't have got a, a college education. So I'm a big football fan. But at the same time, I'm ready for that fall weather to hit. and Come on.
1: Yeah, hopefully by the time this episode airs, it will have cooled off for you down there and, and for us up here in North Texas. So we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. So uh, in this episode, we, we, in the past few episodes, we've been talking a lot about patience and persistence and all those sorts of things. And and I know you love the various quotes that you share with us and, and the meaning that they have. What are we talking about on this episode?
0: Well, it's a, it's a quote, Laura, that um, was shared with me many years ago. A, a lot of folks may not realize I had an opportunity to work with uh, what I think is probably uh, our generations, one of our, one of our generations best horsemen, or at least a very, very good horseman. I can't, I can't, don't really know how to qualify him as the best, but by golly, he's been very, very influential in a tremendous number of people's programs. And I had an opportunity to work with him and his name was Tom Dorrance. I think Tom probably had. Some of the greatest understanding of horses in all reality. I don't think Tom was the greatest communicator, but man, if you could just listen to what he did and then you work, you were willing to work hard to try to apply some of the things that he would try to convey to you, you would see tremendous results. Another one of my heroes and had an opportunity to work with several on several occasions is another trainer by the name of Jack Brainerd. And many, many summers ago, Laura, I was out working some horses and I get a phone call and Somebody's yelling out the back door. Hey, you got a phone call? I think you're going to want to take it. And who is it? It's Jack Brainerd. So I run back in the house. And this ought to tell you how many years ago it was before we all had cell phones stuck in our pockets. So as uh, soon as I heard it was Jack, I just dropped what I was doing, ran into the house real quick and took the call. And Jack was telling me, he says, "Van, what are you doing on such and such date? And I said, heck, I don't know. It's a uh, I don't think I have anything planned. Well, whatever it is, just mark it off your calendar. I want you to come to the ranch. And uh, back then, Jack had a place in Aubrey, Texas, called the Diamond B uh, Training Facility. And I said, "Well, wh- what's going on there?" I mean, I would have gone no matter what was going on if Jack invited me. But he he said, uh, "Well, Van, it's pretty special." He said, "Tom Dorrance is coming to Texas. It's going to be one of his first and only appearances here." And at that time, Tom was already fairly old fella, I'm going to say, I'm guessing, I think he was like 86 years old at that time. Mm. And I'm thinking, man, this might be my last chance to to see him. So of course I did exactly what Jack said, marked everything off my calendar. I go there and, uh, and I I watched the clinic. Now he was in a position at that time. He had those little arm crutches, you know, so he wasn't able to really participate much, but he kind of sat up on this little area, this little booth area that uh, Jack had set up for him. And he instructed everybody when they were working with their horses and it was just amazing the one thing i learned about tom is his remarkable timing and i i'd known that for years but that particular event it just showed me even more so and the reason why was because he was actually helping some other people start some cults under saddle and he was able to convey to them in time for them to get the message receive the message and then communicate the message to the horse and the timing to where the horse would get the response or give the response that we were all looking for. And if nothing else come across to me that day was the importance of timing. Mm. And I was just thinking, man, this is brilliant for him to be so far ahead of where the horse was thinking that he could convey his message to a listener. And then that listener had to convey his message to the horse all in time for the horse to get the message to, to give us What we're looking for right at that moment. That is timing. And I learned that, man, really, when it comes to horse training and really so many other things in life, timing is so important. Well, I couldn't help but to go and talk to him at the end of each day. And, uh, and, and, of course his wife was there that, that weekend and he, she was trying to sell books and she had, you know, Tom's book and I went and got one of his books and I walked up to him afterwards and said, Mr. Dorrance, the thing I got from this, of course, was timing, timing, timing. I just couldn't believe how important that was. And uh, in today's example, reinforced that more than any other that I've ever seen you do. Well, Van, I appreciate that. That was, that was very kind. Well, I handed him my book and I said, "If you don't mind, Mister Doran, so I said I want you to write something in there that you think you know a young trainer like myself could take away and be a, a good life lesson for me." And he said, "Well, Van, I'm I'm just so darn tired. I I'm going to go in, in Jack's house and just lay down and take a nap." He said, "Can I? I don't really know what to say right now. So can I just? Can you bring that book back to me tomorrow and I'll I'll sign it tomorrow. I'll think about it tonight and I'll I'll sign it tomorrow." Well, yes, sir. Well, the next day I show up and and again watched a brilliant presentation, handed him my book at the end of the day, and the same thing. Well, Van, I'm just so tired. I didn't get much chance to think about it last night. I promise you, though, that if you'll be here tomorrow, I'll sign that book. Well, part of me's thinking, you clever old dog, you got me in. A, that, that was a good way to get me to show up all three days. But the reality is that he's, you know, he didn't really think that way, but I just thought that was pretty clever. Well, sure enough, the third day, I had him the book again, and he takes it. And this time, he just kind of writes in there with a very shaky hand, and I didn't even read what he wrote. He, did, he closed the book, and he handed it back to me, and later on that evening, I'm driving home, and I just couldn't resist any longer. So I flipped the page open, and I looked, and I see these words, reward the thought. Mm. And I got to tell you, at first, I was so aggravated. I was like, what the heck does that mean? I wish I'd have read that earlier so I could ask him, what, what does that mean? And I had no clue. And I was just racing in my mind, reward the thought, reward the thought. What, what, is, what does he mean by that? And then one day, Laura, I was, I was actually at another demonstration. I was teaching a, an audience ways to get a horse to load in a trailer. And as I'm asking the horse to load in the trailer – I'm kind of swinging the tail of my lead rope around, and I noticed that that when the horse did nothing more than just perk his ears up toward the trailer, that instinctively I stopped swinging my lead rope. Mm. And the minute that I did, I promise there were chills come up the back of my neck, and I just, (gasps) and I realized at that moment, that's what he was talking about. That was reward the thought. Because you see, if the horse's ears were up and forward and toward the trailer, what was he thinking about? He was thinking about going forward. He was thinking about the trailer. If I want him to think about the trailer, then I need to reward that. Well, the only way you can reward a horse is to relieve them of any sort of pressure that they're under. The only pressure that he was under was the environment being at the back of the trailer and me swinging that darn lead rope. So I took the lead rope down and quit swinging it. And as a result of that, the horse began to think more and more about the trailer and quit and start thinking less and less about getting away from the trailer. So instead of thinking about getting away and being evasive, it started thinking of the trailer more and started giving the trailer more con- consideration, which is exactly what I wanted. So that to me was what exactly what Tom meant when he said reward the thought. And if we can do that, we put ourselves in a position to be in such good timing with our horse, that as a result, we'll more than likely get what we want if we're always looking for that slightest try. And we've heard people say that all the time. You know, you hear a lot of trainers out there, reward the slightest try. And my question is, well, what's the slightest try? Do you even know what that is? Maybe if the horse is thinking about it, maybe that's a try. Are you a good enough horseman to read the horse's thoughts, read his body language, so that his body language may give us an indication as to what his thoughts may be? In other words, are you involved and engaged in the moment? Are you here right now paying attention to the signs a horse is conveying to you? So that's what I think of when I think of reward the thought.
1: Well, and this is, it's interesting to me because this really carries through from things we talked about in the past couple of episodes about wanting to train our horses to respond to very light pressure or you know to the li- the lightest suggestion without having to escalate and this to me seems like it's the starting point for that if you can be there be present be aware be watching and reward when they start thinking in the direction you want them to go, then you're moving in the direction of them being very responsive. But let's talk about what it means to reward the thought. You sort of alluded to it just a minute ago, but you passed through it pretty quickly. When a lot of people think of rewarding their horses, they think, oh, give them a carrot or, you know, whatever. What do you mean when you say reward the thought or reward the horses, you know, when it makes a small step in the right direction?
0: Well, almost any time there's human and animal interaction, especially you know with our horses, uh, we have to realize that that relationship is based on um, everything being calm and quiet. That's what horses want. Horses want their environment to be very predictable, very calm, and, and very relaxed. I mean, in, in their world, it's all about being peaceful and, har- and, and harmony. That, that's just what they seek out. There's nothing advantageous to a horse to be stressed. So they're always looking to be quiet, efficient, relaxed, and in harmony.
1: And to conserve energy.
0: And to conserve energy, you betcha. So we have to realize then that does our presence with this horse facilitate quietness and calmness, or does it facilitate pressure and discomfort? And we want that balance between the two. In order for us to be the leader, we really want this horse to want to be with us. But at the same time, we also want a specific behavior with our horse. We don't want them to pick up bad habits such as nipping, biting, kicking, pawing, doing those types of things. So when the horse is doing something like that, then we want to become the leader and we want to apply some sort of pressure to let them realize that behavior is not needed or wanted.
1: And what do you mean by pressure?
0: Well, anything, sometimes it could be something to where we just kind of look at them different is where does it may sound? You know, every little kid knows when mama gives them that, Hey, you better quit that look. <laughs> right? Well, believe it or not, that's what it starts with my horse. You know, we, we talked in a previous episode, what I call squeeze, bump, kick and kill. The squeeze is the absolute slightest thing we can do toward the horse to let them know that we are addressing our attention toward that animal. And it could be nothing more than just a look. It could be a step toward them. It could be a step toward them and maybe a a swing of our lead rope or, I mean, you name it. It could be something no more than doing a cluck or a smooch. You know, in other words, just something to kind of get the horse's attention. And oftentimes, if the horse is aware that the behavior is incorrect, that right there might just immediately stop that behavior. And if it's not, then we want to escalate that just a little bit, as we talked about in previous episodes, just escalate it. But all the while that we are applying the cue or applying the pressure the very moment the application starts, we need to be searching for the communication in return from the horse, which is, are they thinking about doing the correct thing? Are they thinking about following through with whatever it is that they're doing? Or are they thinking about making a change to the better or to the positive? And if they are, we need to be searching for that try and for that effort. And when the horse is thinking about it, that's the absolute perfect time to relieve them of whatever sort of discomforting pressure that you've applied to them, whether it be the look or whether it be the application of the swinging of the lead rope or whatever it is that you're doing to apply some sort of pressure to that horse, you want to remove that immediately. And it's it's oftentimes like, and you can do so in an encouraging way. I, I oftentimes tell people of an analogy that if I had one of my kids that had climbed up on the roof of the house and now they were afraid to get down, they, they were fearful. And if I stood at the eve of the house and extended my arms into where there's literally only just a couple of feet or maybe just inches away from me and the child at the edge of the rooftop at the eve, and I say, come on, sweetie, you can do it. Just jump down to dad. And you can see this kid wants to, but they've also got that fear of the unknown. What if dad drops me? What if I can't jump? And when when you see this child's body language lean toward you a little bit and you see that little look of confidence in their eyes, that's when you want to encourage them. There you go, sweetie. You've almost got it. Keep coming. You're doing great. Mm -hmm. And when they're thinking about taking a step back, no, no, come on, you can do it. Come on. So you're going to encourage them to the point where they take that leap. That's the same type of way I want people to look at their horses, be studying them to the point where when they are about to take that positive step, you want to be in position to reward that position. And that reward is going to be to take any kind of pressure away from them, any sort of applied pressure that you're, that you're doing to them, take it away. And before you know it, just like that kid at that edge of that roof, they're going to get confident enough to go ahead and follow through with that thought. And when they do, you've, you've won. It's successful. And it all ends good. <laughs> so we just have to think in terms of, you know, reward the thought. And when I think of reward the thought, what I'm really thinking about is, you know, we talked about the timing and everything else earlier in, in applying pressure and being persistent and yet being patient. But at the same time, when I'm thinking of rewarding the thought, that is what we need to be focusing on the most is the feedback from the horse. That's his feedback. What he does is his feedback to us and then we need to judge at that point well is that feedback positive is it what we wanted is it toward our goal or is it not So, if the horse is thinking about doing something positive, and the only way we know that, Laura, really is to spend enough time with horses in general, and then in time, spend enough time with our own personal horses so that we can determine what it is that they're thinking. Study their eyes, study their ears, study the shape of their nostrils, study their head position, study their feet. How are their feet standing? What is the, how is their tail? resting on their buttocks. Is it flowing behind them or is it stuck out straight or is it like tucked in between their, their butt cheeks back there? All of those things are indicators of this horse's behavior and this horse's thoughts. And when you see the tail rise, it tells you now that, oh, the horse is not viewing me as much as quite a threat. Uh, whenever we see the ears relax, oh, the horse is not viewing me as quite a threat. If we see the ears moving toward us, oh, they're thinking more about me instead of thinking about getting away from me. Uh, when the horse's ears are away from us and they're kind of scoping out the the area uh, on the opposite side of us, that tells us that they're thinking about leaving. So, when we study the horse's body language, and then we're able to put ourselves in a position to study it to the point where we can start thinking of, or better yet, judging their thoughts, we now are in a position to reward those thoughts. And then after the after the thought, as as many of us know, the thoughts control the actions. Mm-hmm. So, if the horse is thinking about doing the positive thing. And then he gets reinforced for that thought. Before you know it, he'll get courage enough to follow through with the thought. And before you know it, it's an action. And that's when we get what we want with our horses.
1: And so how do you, you know, you're talking about watching that feedback. And you've given a couple of examples. But if if you've got a listener maybe who doesn't have as much experience as you do, you, you've spent so much time watching horses that you can interpret those physical reactions. You talked about the shape of their nostril or the, you know, I've heard you mention like the wrinkle under the eye or something like that. How does a person learn to interpret those to know when is the, the right time to release that pressure as you've been talking about?
0: Well, first of all, it's a it's a very tough assignment, but let's go out in the pasture. Let's go out in the stall. Let's go out in a turnout pen with our horses and just very, and here's the key, objective observation. Don't read anything into it. Just study them. Just watch them. And then watch their body language and then watch their expressions and watch very carefully. And here's the key thing, too. I mean, I, I know I oftentimes use human Analogies when i'm when I'm talking about horses, just so that, so people can kind of grasp the moment, but the reality is the other message with that I want to say to people is that you know what they're not humans, even though we refer to them as humans sometimes in in analogies, first and foremost, people they're horses, mm-hmm. and so if we go into it and we study them for what they are, a horse, and then we're objectively reading and observing their behaviors and the body language signs prior to the behaviors, then we can start getting a better grasp of what our horses are, are doing and what they're, what they're conveying. And it's very important for us to be able to read that. But there's, unfortunately there's not a book that you can ever go out and read. That's going to tell you that that's where the true life experiences comes in. And it doesn't necessarily mean you always have to be, involved and interactive, sometimes you can just be the quiet observer sitting on the fence. Sometimes you can go in there at feeding time and just watch the horses while they eat and just learn to observe what it is that they're doing. And, you know, and isn't it worth that time? Because otherwise, if you don't spend that time and now all of a sudden you're going out there, you're trying to teach something that you know absolutely nothing about, that's a much longer Road to hoe than it is just to at least study the animal we're going to be working with. The more we know and the more we arm ourselves with that knowledge of horsemanship, the better it is for us to be able to practice horsemanship.
1: Well, Sharon, I'm, I'm thinking of the example that you have used in in recent episodes of how that that comes from your experience just watching how the horses interact with each other and the story you told about the you know, a horse that's invading another horse's space and how do they react and what is the progression of behaviors as they communicate with each other, obviously without words. And so I can see how there would be some real value in just sitting out there watching them communicate with each other and then figuring out ways to translate the way they communicate with each other into how we as human beings can communicate with them. You talk about timing and the importance of releasing the pressure at the right time or putting the pressure on at the right time. Can you expand on that a little bit? I mean, what is the right time and how do you know, how do you find that right time and and then what do you do with it?
0: Well, timing is incredibly important and not only just in the process of rewarding something, but oftentimes the timing is important when we ask for something. I tell this story just because it's kind of funny, and at the same time, it all, I, very rarely do people forget it. But you don't ask Junior to take the trash out when he's sitting on the toilet. <laughs> you ask Junior to take the trash out when he walks by the trash can. See, that's timing.
1: Uh, okay.
0: You see? It's easy to procrastinate, and it's easy to get an answer you're not going to be happy with when you ask at the wrong time. If he's sitting on the toilet, what the heck can he do about it? He's got to finish his business and... Before he can do anything about the trash, right? So we want to, we've got to remember that sometimes the timing of when you ask is everybody is as, as important as a timing of when you release the pressure from a horse's position. And that again just comes with, with time and experience. And, and I mean, you know, I get really specific with this. I mean, I'll get to the point where I say, well, don't ask the horse to pick up his left front foot until he's got his weight on his other three feet. And see, and then he can pick that foot up. So uh, the timing is, is incredibly important. So uh, number one, when we ask, And then when we reward, we really need to be very aware of what it is that we want, So, because if we're very keenly aware of what it is that we want, then we have to kind of think about the process as well. If you'll remember, it's been a while since we've mentioned these, but – You know, I I call them my four major questions or my four magic questions, whatever. I mean, we've put a couple of different labels on it, but there's four questions that I think are incredibly important. And number one is, and it's oftentimes a, a very difficult one for people to narrow down and get specific about, but it's just this. It's what do you want? It sounds very, very easy, doesn't it? What do you want? Well, I want little junior to take the trash out. Good. Is that fair? Question number two, is it fair? In other words, can Junior take the trash out? Is he a two-year-old or is he a 15-year-old? If he's 15 years old, then sure, he knows exactly how to take the trash out. So we know it's fair. It's within his capabilities. Number three, can I ask him in a way that he can understand in that one, maybe the timing is also a little bit important here, too. is that uh, yes, he might understand it, but is he in a position he can do anything about it yeah. and that's that 's important and then lastly, well, how do he do? Did he take the trash out? A, a little thing I like to t- said is sometimes it's and it 's the entire process and And what I mean by that is, ask Junior to take the trash out. He pulls the trash out of the trash can, you know, puts it in his his little bag, and he zips the bag up and he takes it and he goes and puts it in the little dumpster thingy. Um, But the question is, did he finish it? In other words, did he put a new bag back in the deal? Did he put the lid back on the trash can? In other words, these are all things that we want to say. That's the entire process. At what point does he get a reward? Actually, he may get several rewards during the process of that. But it's not complete until the task is complete. Because if you begin to start rewarding the task when it's incomplete, then you've just lowered your standard mm. for what the performance that you're asking for.
1: Yeah, you've taught that incomplete performance is acceptable.
0: Absolutely. So we have to think about those four questions. In other words, how did it work out for you was the number one or the, the number four one. So number one is what do you want? Number two is what you want fair. Is it within the capabilities of the of the person or the horse that you're asking? Um, number three, can you communicate that in a way that the other party can can understand? And then lastly, how did you measure the performance? Now, all of that, but where then does – reward the thought come in. Well, when in this case, if little junior's walking by the the trash can and says, "Hey little junior, can you take the trash out?" and if he pauses, maybe right then would be a perfect time to say, "Man, I really appreciate that. Thanks a lot." That's an encouragement, isn't it? Yeah. And before you know it, they'll follow through to the next thing. So every moment that you can, even through the process of the physical aspect of it or even just the the look on their face, Oftentimes is determined by the leader. Those words of encouragement, those those little, little things that you can do and you can say to help that process get through. And then ultimately, when it's completed, that's when you really want to give the big reward. Now, humans respond, some humans respond a lot better to positive reinforcement. We have to understand, horses, though, that they're not always going to do the task just because we give them a cookie. And I, I want to go too deep into that. But the, the reason why is that horses are not feast or famine feeders. So there's plenty of times so they're going to be out there, folks, that, you know what? If their big gut's not telling them, hey, I'm hungry and I'm going to do anything it takes to get a cookie, if their nutritional re- requirements are met, then that cookie's just not going to work for them. Mm-hmm. What is going to work for them, though, is a language that they understand, which is the pressure and release. So we put pressure on them and we do so in such a way that they start thinking about how to get that pressure off of them. When they're thinking about it in, a, in such a way that we can tell that that process is going to be positive, then we reward that by releasing perhaps a little bit of that pressure as if we're encouraging them. And then before you know it, the horse follows through. When the, when the task is completed, like in my case, a lot of times I tell everybody, just leave them alone, drop the reins, take your feet off, just relax. And then the horse begins to put two and two together. Hey, you know what? When he asks this question and I give him this answer, that dude leaves me alone. And after a while, the horse becomes the trainer. His job is to train me to quit bugging him, to quit asking. His job is to follow through with the task that I give him. And then the minute that he does, I reward that. But in the beginning, it starts with... The thought about that, loading him in the trailer when his ears are forward, I want to reward that. Before you know it, those thoughts control his feet going in the trailer. And before you know it, all four feet are in the trailer. And as a result, all the pressure comes off of him when he's completely in the trailer. But it started, you see, Laura, when I rewarded the thought.
1: Great lesson to learn, and we could probably get into some real philosophical things about how that applies in our human interactions, but we don't have time, so maybe another time we'll talk about that. For those of you listening, if you have questions that follow up on this topic, uh, I know Van would love to answer them, would be happy to hear from you, and there are various ways that you can reach out. Visit the website at vanhargis.com, look for the podcast episodes there, and you'll see the show notes for this, some notes about the things we talked about, some other information, maybe some links that you can follow. But you can reach out to Van a couple different ways if you are interested in maybe a, a public conversation about this episode or a question that you have. You can visit the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page and leave a comment or a question there. Van watches that and responds to those questions and loves to hear from listeners there. If you would like to share your thoughts about the episode or about training or about anything else privately with Van, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions To info at vanhargis.com, and um, we will, Van will be watching for that. We may address it on a future episode, or you may get an email back from Van with an answer to your question. A couple of things you can do for Van Hargis Horsemanship. If you enjoy this podcast, if you think it's worth listening to, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. We are trying to uh, reach as many people as possible with the good information that Van shares. So first of all, you know, tell your friends. Share on social media, or if you've got friends who are into horses and would like to learn more, show them how to find the podcast and subscribe to it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else what's uh, I know Van you've been sharing a couple new things that have been going on you have a new website and some other things coming up at Van Hargis Horsemanship anything you want to share uh, this time around.
0: Well, yeah, Laura, again, we do have the new website up and going. Um, I, I really want to encourage people to go and visit it. Of course, it's vanhargis.com. And help us find little glitches and little things that are on there. We, we hope we've got a lot of things narrowed down and, and, uh, and, and in good shape. But, you know, it always helps us to have the input from people who, who visit the site. So we encourage people to do that. Help us out to provide a better site for them. And at the same time, uh, part of that new website is the new Van Hargus Top Hand Club. Super excited about that. Uh, we want to get people encouraged to uh, to join the, the Top Hand Club, and in doing so, we discounted for the first thousand members a seventy five percent discount. So it means that they're going to get you know, a lot of value, which are discounts to our clinics, uh, discounts on all of the products that are in our, in our store, on our online store, plus uh, an endless array of little short video clips, everything from encouraging words to little how-to type things. Uh, we also are going to have specialty products from time to time. For example, I recently designed a really, really cool saddle rack. It'll be on the website before too long, and it's only going to be available to only top hand members exclusively. So, uh, we're really excited about those types of things, Laura. So we really want people to shop around on and, and our website and, and join the Van Hargis Top Hand Club. And lastly, I do want to say, Laura, I, I, you know, I couldn't do this thing without you and without our producer, John. And, and I can't emphasize enough how grateful I am to have you guys on board. For those who don't know you guys, folks, these guys are top professionals. I mean, I'm just a Yahoo that talks a little bit about horses. These guys are phenomenal at what they do. I'm so honored that they're on my team to bring you guys right over stride each week. It it means a lot to me to have somebody of that professionalism on board with my team. So Laura and John, I'm deeply grateful for both of you guys. I couldn't do it without you. And we also couldn't do it without our listeners, Laura, because I'm always amazed whenever I get that little report that tells us how many listeners that we've got. And it it's so incredibly humbling, but at the same time, it's addictive as well. So I really want that to grow, and I want you guys to share Ride Every Stride with all your friends and, and uh, let us know what we can do to make it better each and every week.
1: Definitely do that. Yeah, so visit visit the website at com to see the show notes for the podcast. Check the store for the products that are available. Look into what Van is offering through the Top Hand Club. That's a membership site that they're going to be continually adding new benefits to the folks who join the Top Hand Club. So you'll want to check that out. And last little note, I would say if you like what you hear on the podcast, you would love having Van in person at your event or uh, to do a clinic at your facility. And he's available to do that. They're scheduling clinics and expo appearances and things like that. You will learn so much in that period of time having live one-on-one time with Van. So email info at com if you're looking for an experience to have a great horseman come and and work with you and maybe some of your friends. So check that out. Uh, Any last words, I guess, before we wrap things up, Van?
0: I can't think of a thing, Laura. I just want to be sure and encourage people that if they ask their horse to do something, be very aware and and be prepared to reward the thought. Okay? In closing, I just want to say this to everybody. Remember that it's your ride, your trail, your journey. So ride every stride.